podcast series in which we share conversations with interesting, interesting and inspiring people in the large yacht industry. Today, I'm pleased to welcome Kieran Haslam, the Chief Marketing Officer of Princess Yachts. Princess is well known for being a British luxury yacht builder with offerings ranging from small sport boats to luxury super yachts. What it's really trying to do, though, is to make sure that current and future clients are receiving an authentic consumer experience, which is why, to use one particular promotional video as an example, you will not see mannequin-like models posing on sun pads ready for their close-up and instead see a family of grandparents, their grown children, and their grandchildren having fun together on board. In fact, this multi-generational family, if you know the video I'm referring to, is a real family among Princess Yachts customers. Similarly, and especially in these days of Zoom meeting after Zoom meeting and live streaming of yachting events, Kieran believes that real candid conversations are what customers want, not stiff speeches and PowerPoint presentations. If you caught the recent Facebook Live reveal of Princess's X95 Superyacht, you'll also know exactly what I mean. We'll talk about what led to that different Facebook Live event and what else Kieran and the management team are doing to change the customer experience in today's podcast. So, Kieran, welcome to Mega Yacht News Radio. Okay, I think we got our technical difficulties straightened out. So, Kieran, welcome to Mega Yacht News Radio. Hi, Diana. Thank you very much for having me. <laughs> it's good to have you. You know, when I when I talk to people like you, I, I love to start with your background because so many people have interesting stories about how they got into yachting and how they got into the industry. So, let, let's talk about yours. What got you to have a passion about yachting and how did you end up with Princess? So um, I was I was born on the west coast of Australia in a in a little town called Perth, and uh, you tend to spend a great deal of your time outside uh, if you uh, live in that part of the world, and you spend a lot of time on boats as a consequence as well, um, particularly around my childhood because the America's Cup had um, had come to Fremantle. And uh, there was sort of a lot going on in, in boating at that time. And my father was uh, part, of, uh, part of a team developing um, the, the casted core for um, the keel of the America's Cup challenging boat. So um, it, was, it was, you know, that was sort of my first foray into, into boating. And, uh, you know, you forget about these things. They become a part of you and, and you spend time on boats and you sort of get used to it. And then uh, you go off and you do different things. And so, you know, university was a, was a, was a big distraction because I went into, um, into a different field. I, um, I, I sort of started off in marine biology and fisheries. And again, they took me back to boats. So I spent a great deal of time on very, very large demersal trawlers. Uh, going around Tasmania and uh, and some pretty unruly uh, conditions uh, down there um, on boats and so so boating came back again uh, and then I sort of got a little bit distracted and uh, ended up going more into engineering and uh, found myself sort of getting further and further away from from boating. Um, it's a it's a long winded journey from there, but to summarise it in a nutshell, I ended up becoming a, a professional jazz musician, touring the world, um, and then wanted to sort of settle down and start a family, 
and uh, that took me into advertising, PR, sort of the creative arts, um, and it took me then to publications, and I ended up joining a car company, and that car company was uh, was Bentley Motors, uh, and I was very fortunate at Bentley that uh, it took me around the world, and I had the opportunity to do some great things in, in different parts of, uh, of the world. Um, and lived in, in many a far-flung part of uh, part of our planet, um, and uh, ended up coming to the UK. And when I was at at Bentley in the UK, we were act- interacting quite a fair amount with yacht companies. There seemed to be this idea, both from the yacht world as well as the automotive world, that um, you could tap into something supremely luxurious and special if you could sort of combine luxury cars and luxury uh, yachts. Um, and so I started to interact a little bit with Princess uh, in, in, in that regard, both Princess and, and Fontiga. Um, and that's really where the doors sort of opened. And I was asked to join uh, Princess with a very, very specific objective, which was, you know, we felt, well, the, the people responsible for Princess at the time felt very much that it was a great company that um, was sort of like the best kept secret. And what could we do to bring that secret out and uh, and reveal it to more people who are interested in finding out about us and that's pretty much how i, I came into uh, into the official world of, uh, of yachting and that's selling them and marketing them and not uh, not just enjoying them good good you know what you were saying about bentley was reminding me of a conversation you and i recently had about yacht marketing overall and luxury marketing you know what you just said about how the auto industry the luxury auto industry and the yachting industry looked at each other and said hey there's some overlap here maybe we should be talking to each other and working with each other more there's certainly a a view in in the yachting industry that we should be doing what um you know the the luxury automakers are doing what the luxury fine watchmakers are doing etc um but when you and I were speaking, you made a, a pretty pointed comment that I found rang quite true. And it was that tapping into the emotion of a yacht is different than tapping into the emotion of a beautiful car or a beautiful watch, et cetera. So can you elaborate on that? And what does that mean in terms of what the customers that we're all reaching should see and should hear from us? Sure. I, I think one of the things is, um, there's this feeling that the automotive world is uh, is really finely honed and, and is sort of like perfect in terms of how it markets and, uh, and delivers products. And certainly there are some really, really good examples of that, particularly the way in which they've put strong structures around quality and strong structures around after sales. And the, the, the purchase or the acquisition of, uh, of a of a luxury car tends to be something which is you you feel it consistently you feel it almost every day when you own that product and um, and i think from that perspective the industry the yacht industry can can take a lot and learn a lot um you know in in my honest opinion this industry uh, is really really good at the upfront stuff and then when it comes to you know five or six years down the track, how are we interacting around that product still, you know, in terms of the support and the after sales service that a customer can still avail of. So, you know, from, from that from that perspective, I think that the automotive world is great. But the problem with the automotive world is it tends to treat people as a number, as an ID tag in a CRM system. And you couldn't get further away in the yacht sphere than you could in the in the in the luxury automotive sphere as a consequence. 
And we tend to do things in much lower volume and therefore in much closer proximity to our clientele. Um, and it's less of a treat that person like a lead, um, engage with them if you think they're going to buy the next product within a six-month horizon. Um, and these are all the things and these are all the constructs that you find time and again in the automotive world. Um, I, I also think that the, the way in which we celebrate luxury is different. It's, it's, for us, it tends to be less about, um, you know, the gold and the diamonds and the shiny stuff. And it's more about what does time aboard the product really reveal? What does it really offer? Um, and, it, and it sort of is a different element of luxury. So I don't see a lot of overlap between the two. I mean, there's no doubt about it. My time at Bentley, we were, we were definitely in the luxury sphere. We had a, you know, a, a specific niche position within automotive, which was talking on a level which was less um, cutthroat in terms of the sales dialogue. Uh, but in, in yachting, it's even even less than that. Um, and, and that's from a manufacturer perspective. I, I know that if you're dealing with, say, a, a dealer in a, in a product and, and that dealer, he or she has it in their showroom, uh, they're going to want to sell it. Um, and so they then tend to have a little bit more of that sales pressure on them to behave in that way. But as manufacturers, um, where we're at, uh, we're looking at things through, through a, a totally different lens of, uh, of luxury. And, and we are selling the most unnecessary uh, item that you can imagine um, in, when compared to the A to B transport requirements of any luxury car. Um, if you are buying a luxury car, you're still using it to go to the office. You're still using it to do everyday things. Uh, you pick somebody up from the airport, so you're factoring in, how do I get that luggage into the back of the boot if it's a tiny little Ferrari and I can't fit the luggage in? Um, you know, th th these are the things that, uh, that sort of play when it comes to our world, it's, it's purely emotional. It's, if it does come to the, to the logic side of your brain, which kicks in, you're more looking at that time aboard and, and, and eking out the most out of it. But there's no real reason why you need to purchase a luxury yacht. Um, so the, the only real reason is an emotional one. And I think the way in which you interact with clients and the way that we act as an industry uh, changes and that that balance changes uh, substantially as a consequence. And I don't see the need for us to pretend to be anything that we're not. I don't see the need for us to unnecessarily develop corporate identities and follow strict and rigid processes, because you know we're talking about a handful of customers that uh, that really make our lives you know wonderful or difficult depending on on which uh, which side of the of the journey you're on. Um, and you can do that very personally, and it comes back down to the sheer enjoyment of, uh, of the process. And it's sort of like getting your house built. It's, it's less about the finished house, and it's more about every day that you interact with that builder, you know, and the journey's progressing. And you see the beautiful living room, dining room, and the architraves come together, and you say, oh, wow, that's, that's fantastic. You know, that's, the, that's the, the opportunity that we have as an industry, uh, which is so exciting and so different. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Let's talk about the Facebook Live reveal of the X95. Um, for, for those of you listening who didn't see it, you can still catch a recording on Princess's Facebook page, and I, I highly recommend you watch it. I watched it live, and I was so struck by how I felt like I was sitting in a, a comfortable, casual chat with all of you. I, I just so happened to be essentially among the executive team. You know, it didn't feel like a, a typical formal 
presentation because it was so relaxed and it was just the antithesis of the big reveal, so to speak, that we're so accustomed to, not just in yachting, but with really any big, um, you know, product reveal, product premiere. Um, so why was it so important to you and to the Princess team to take this different approach? And what was the reaction from your customers? You, you know, I, uh, I, I think uh, the tone of how you interact with the world around you is so important. When you really come across somebody who's worldly and they have that wonderful, humble, but ever so slightly provocative to get you to think or to act tone, um, it's really a joy. Um, it unlocks something. It, it engages you. It draws you in to that to, to that personality, and uh, you know, in a, in a in a funny, strange uh, way, uh, at the end of Pulp Fiction, Quentin Tarantino has a has a little sequence which talks about it, and and, and the sequence was called Personality Goes a Long Way, um, and in in that regard, it, it does go a long way, and it's hard. You you interact with brands. You interact with. Um, with uh, premium brands, luxury brands, any brand, and they're all uh, presenting to you. They're all talking at you. They're not talking with you. And, um, and I find that actually quite alienating. So what we set out to do was to say, you know, what people really want to understand about this product is what it took for us to make it. I mean, the, the product speaks for itself. Go through it and see it. And the, the tangible... Uh, factors such as the space constraints and geometry, the speed, the range, the fuel burn, all of that's there for people to see. What they don't see is how did we actually come about saying we need to do this in the first place? I mean, it is a very unique proposition, that X95, to anything that we've done in our 55-year history. You know, and we've designed and built and uh, and sold over uh, 17,500 yachts in, that, in those 55 uh, years. So, you know, why did we do the X95? And when we started talking to each other about it, um, I, I felt very, very strongly that we should just talk as if we are at a barbecue having a conversation with each other because that's what people want to, to understand. You get, you get deeper into the heart and the root cause of why you would do something and how you feel about something. And what's wonderful about princesses, we don't take ourselves too seriously. We, we can't. You know, there are very few people who work at Princess, who could purchase a 40-meter Princess. Um, so what business do they have standing there telling somebody, oh, you need to buy a 40-meter Princess? Um, I don't think you can do that. But what you can do is say, this is me, this is us, this is what we love to do, and this is why we built this product. And hopefully things resonate between the clients and, uh, and, and us, and they feel endeared enough to understand the product and to see it in the way in which we we see it, and it's lovely, really, for anybody who visits Plymouth here in the in the southwest of England. We'll take anybody through our our factory. They're more than welcome to come and see what we do. Um, and you talk to real people who have been doing what they've been doing for you know 40, 40 in some cases 40 years. We just had a, an employee celebrate 45 years of Princess, um, and it's uh, and it's you know a lovely thing because they just talk from the heart. It's not scripted. It's it's just how they feel about what they do every day. Um, and, you know, we've got three, just over 3,000 uh, full-time employees at Princess only designing and building and delivering Princess yachts to customers all around the world. So it wasn't very hard for us to say that tone that we have internally, let's just be a little bit more confident, a little bit more comfortable to present it externally. 
Um, and when people do come to the factory, they always comment on it. They always say, it's just so nice that I can sit down with the, with the chairman of Princess Yachts and he doesn't take himself too seriously, you know. And I remember realizing that early in, um, you know, when I first joined the company, uh, we, uh, we were in a, in a, we had a particular way about us. And then about a year later, our current executive chairman, Anthony Sheriff joined. And, uh, and when he joined, I remember we were sitting in the Cannes Yacht Show and uh, in the middle of the afternoon, baking hot, and um, we have a lot of hosts and uh, hostesses working the show to help us facilitate customers going on board boats and the rest of it. And some of the uh, the hosts and hostesses wanted to go and have their their lunch sandwich out the back of the uh, off the stand, and we're sitting on a trestle table eating a sandwich. And there's Anthony, our, our chairman, sitting down next to them eating a sandwich, just having a conversation. Oh, how are you doing today? How are you enjoying it? Whereabouts do you live? And that kind of thing, you know. And uh, in all of my years in the car world, the equivalent person, a chairman in the car, for any car company, uh, in, in, my, in my experience, would come in on a private jet, do the press conference, wear a suit and a tie, shake hands, not get involved in the one-to-one dialogue with just go public and would disappear again on that flight. Um, and so it just went, it just showed me and demonstrated to me that we can, we can be much more emotional, a lot more transparent and a lot more open and no one else is doing it. So why don't we do it? And, and that was the X95 launch in a, in a nutshell. Um, and the, the result, uh, the, the response that we've got was great. I've had so many people contact us and say, wow, you know, you get so accustomed to somebody putting this presentation up and telling you how great they are and how great their designs are and how this boat is the best thing since sliced bread. Um, and you didn't do that. You did something totally different. And, uh, and I'm quite proud to, to be in a company that uh, is able to do that and, and, and deliver it with integrity and sincerity. Great. <clears throat> great. How many X95s do you have on order now? Uh, we have retailed 10 X95s. Um, we've just delivered the first one to the owner. The second one is going to be ready in the next couple of weeks. Um, so um, we're and and we've got six six more in build currently at various stages of build from uh, hull molding through to the first uh, phases of fit out. So um, so it's it's going it's going great guns at the moment. Good, very good to hear. Let's let's switch gears a little bit right now. I think. Um, you know, these days with the pandemic, it's really impossible to talk about anything in our industry or anything in general without acknowledging that it's, you know, it has an impact. It's clearly challenged all of us in how we run our businesses and in our everyday lives. But it's also, I think, shown a light on how important family time is. So many of us obviously are spending more time, you know, with our loved ones, with our kids, with our, our perhaps our, our parents too. Um, and there have been so many boats sold and really reflecting that too, that it's, it's really shown a light on this idea of together time. And, and I don't want that to sound tone deaf. You know, I don't want it to sound like I'm being opportunistic um, because I, I really do not want to sound that way. But I do think it's something that we need to acknowledge and we need to understand because so many boats have sold. So many people are, are taking advantage of, this lifestyle clearly. So how do we walk that fine line between acknowledging that there are people that we have not clearly tapped into yet and them having this desire and having this ability to enjoy the lifestyle that we can provide for them and 
you know, walking the fine line between that and seeming opportunistic? What, what do you think the balance is? I, I think the balance is that, um, you know, we, our customers are our customers for a very long time. It's seldom that somebody comes into the world, whether, whether it's a contest or a Beretti Adam or San Lorenzo, whatever the, the, the product. Um, it's, it's very uh, seldom that you'll bring a customer into your world and then they'll jump ship and, and go over to a rival brand. You tend to establish recognition between the brand values and the company's values and its approach to manufacturing and design. And it becomes uniquely what you uh, can identify with. So I think that we are all well aware that we have these long-term relationships which don't disappear um, and they can last, you know, longer than uh, any employee can be within the company in some situations, you know. So we have these long-term um, uh, interactions with our, with our clientele. I think that that will dictate that we won't be ruthless and just sell a boat. And if that person regrets that sale, we, you know, we're done and dusted. We got our sale out of them and move on. That will never really creep in, which is which is great, um, because that is a fear for a lot of other industries, you know, where you know, customers and uh, loyalty can be very transient. Um, what we have before us is a, a really interesting reaction from the world. You're very right. Everyone's saying, gosh, I was running around doing all of this stuff. I was taking that rat race as uh, the norm. And now we've seen that it's not the norm. And Furthermore, there are loads of people out there who are saying, not only was I taking that rat race approach, I was forcing it onto my kids, onto my uh, you know, extended family, and, and I really wasn't stopping for a moment to, you know, the, the, the old adage, just to, to stop and smell the roses. And I think a lot of people are, are smelling a lot of roses right now and saying, gosh, you know, do, do we have to do this? You know, I'm, technology has for a long time been capable of delivering some ex incredible experiences for us. And, we, and I think we've been underutilizing it. So, you know, right now, can we, can we switch gear and do it? The, the other side to this is that from the, clients that I'm speaking to, there are two basic emotional responses. One is they're saying, God, you know, life's too short. Life's too short now, isn't it? I've got the money in the bank. I should be doing something with it. And the other side to that is a little bit more logical and a little bit less emotional where they're saying, well, what you guys do in boating, not just Princess, any, any great boating company out there that produces, you know, products that you can get aboard, uh, you know, they're saying, well, what you guys do in boating is you're basically building the safest environment um, other than our homes right now. You know, you are building homes. The, the only difference to me being in my house and me being on a boat uh, right now is that the boat can move around. Um, and, you know, when it comes to being in isolation but still being social, having your bubble, having your people, having the food that you want, being in the location that you want, you don't have to go to airports, you don't have to go to immigration, you don't have to go to uh, chauffeur services and hotels. You can get on your boat and you can really enjoy life from what is basically the comfort of your own living room. Uh, it's just not your regular living room, it's the one that we've made that floats and, uh, and goes around the world. So I, I think those are the mechanisms that are at play. I do think that we have, um, a, we'll, we'll see more hardship in bringing new people into boating because during a period of uncertainty with pandemics, with uh, financial uncertainty, the, the combination of health uncertainty and financial uncertainty is definitely going to make people say, you know, if I haven't done this before, I'm not sure if I want to engage in it right now because I don't know what it entails. Um, and so I think we all have a bit of a responsibility to continue to push and promote boating to people who are initiated. 
Um, and there are lots of interesting ways that uh, that, that can be done. Um, and we still haven't tapped into those ways yet. Right, right. Good point. Finally, what can we expect from Princess in the, the coming months, especially on the super yacht side? You know, we already talked about the X95, which sounds like it's doing tremendously well. So that's great. But what else is coming up? Um, you know, I think we've, we've unlocked um, a really interesting volume from the concept of the X. And so the obvious thing is, what can we do with that platform? How can we take the, the, the basic principles of what an X95 is and look uh, down as well as look up? Uh, because we're getting a, a, such an incredible uh, volume out of a 95-footer. We're, we're getting the same volume out of a 95-foot princess today with the X95 that we were uh, two years ago with a 35-meter princess. So it's, you know, that is a that's a real wake-up call that we can actually extract more out of a smaller platform. It means you don't have to have that master uh, certification to operate the vehicle. It means you've got so much more ease to move it in and out and to berth it easily um, at, a, at a more cost-effective way. But you've still got, you know, all of the all of the rooms and cabins and um, and livability and functionality that you would from a 35 meter boat. So, uh, and and also <laughs> the obvious one, which is it's about 50% of the price of our old 35 meter whilst delivering a similar volume. So um, just due to different classification and uh, and requirements around a boat that's sub uh, 90, 95 feet. So, you know, it's, um, I, I, I think, if we take that, it's it's pretty logical, isn't it, that you're going to see more X classes emerge from Princess. Um, but the essence of that, I think, is to deliver more functionality to across the board in all of our 21 products across the range, um, and to get more and more out of them. And we, we don't sit still. We've got more than 100 people in our development team in house, and you know they're producing design drawings, a completed design drawing for a component on a yacht is completed every 15 minutes um, through our design studio. And so, you know, we're constantly uh, doing things. And, you know, although the, we've just launched the X95, I can tell you that our designers have been for at least a year now working on uh, on the, the, the following um, uh, tranche of, pro of products that come out following the X95. So um, you'll, you'll see a, a smaller X uh, to, to begin with, um, and then we'll, we'll start to take it in, uh, in different directions. Um, one of the really cool things about the X is we've stepped up our uh, approach to quality and uh, and the finessing of design, particularly around exterior spaces. And I think that you'll start to see that push a lot more. And quality has been our absolute objective, and not just quality of what we do, but also trying to demand the right level of quality from a lot of our suppliers. Um, you know, and I, I think that's the, that's the next big big uh, moment to unlock because I think the product will really start to sing when we can deliver outstanding uh, best-in-class quality across the board for every component on a princess. Sounds good. Sounds like there's a lot to look forward to. Terrific. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> thanks, so much. thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today and, and sharing not just the insight into what princess is doing on the production side, but really, you know, the philosophy of what you all are trying to do and how all of us really in the industry can, can do a, a bit of a better job. I, I think a number of people are going to find this to be a refreshingly honest and frank discussion. 
Great, excellent. Well, thank you, thank you very much for for having me, Diane. I do apologise for uh, my inability to uh, to connect up due to technology glitches earlier, uh, but uh, but it's wonderful to talk to you, and uh, and uh, uh, I, I wish you all the best for uh, for the day and for the week ahead. Thanks. Same to you. Everyone, if you'd like to learn more about what Princess Yachts is up to, you can visit their website, which is princessyachts.com. That wraps up this episode of Mega Yacht News Radio. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you hear, please share the word on social media. Plus, subscribe to us automatically on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or Yachtcast. And of course, if you want to learn more about what's going on in the world of large yacht cruising, new construction, and more, you can check out our daily updated website, which is megayachtnews.com. Until next time, I'm Diane Byrne.